Welcome everybody to episode 186 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, featuring myself, Ben. And I am David. And in this podcast, it's the Eccleston years all over again. We are jumping on the Big Finish Express with the return of Christopher Eccleston. And we're going to do a spoilerific review yeah. yep. of the very first Big Finish story, the Sphere of Freedom, Sphere of Freedom, written by none other than Mr. Big Finish himself. Mr. Nicholas Briggs. And uh, we're going to just treat it as if it was uh, 40 minutes of television. Yeah, instead of 40 minutes of audio. Yeah. yeah. I'll jump in right away and say it was just fantastic to borrow a phrase from the Ninth Doctor to hear Christopher Eccleston in the Doctor Who role again. It was great to hear him back. It was as if he'd never left. He slid right into it yeah, right no, away, it I was, think. It was great. Yeah, he just didn't miss a beat, basically. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah, it was great. I was so good to hear him do it again. I know on the podcast previously, I've talked about Gallifrey 1 last year when apparently this is when he decided that he wanted to get back in and do big finishes and... Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's he's obviously he obviously realizes that he really enjoys the role, and um, uh, yeah, and you know, it's a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't want to do a bad job, and he does an excellent job here. I think it was great to hear him. Yeah, as far as I can tell, this is a runaway success for Big Finish, and by in turn for Christopher Eccleston as well too, because. I've never seen one of their new releases jump that high in recommendations. It has over 200 listener recommendations right now on the Ravengers page. Really? And you know most of those people paid full price to download and or get a cd of it i think people were just he was the kind of missing link you know we were just we were really waiting for him to have him back because you know we've had david tennant working we've got tom baker back working you know he's been doing it for a decade now i think tom baker it still feels new to me but yeah, yeah amazingly yeah, so <laughs> um but we really needed chris you know we really need chris back yeah, yeah. these are obviously going well for big finish so mm-hmm. we'll see how we'll, we'll obviously we'll talk about the story we you know we'll We'll see how this, uh, we'll see how it develops from here, you know, whether there'll be multi-doctor activities, you know, bring back some, <laughs> Nick Briggs is writing it, the Daleks are going to come back at some point, so, you know. Maybe in the next tranche, which I think comes out in August. Well, how can they come back, though? Because he didn't, he, he only met them again in yeah. um, Dalek, right? Well, yeah, so all these are kind of prequel to the Rose years, yeah. I think, maybe look at it that way. So this all is before Rose. Since, uh, spoilers, uh, Billy Piper is not in this, which I must admit, I'm a little bit, uh, I was kind of disappointed. I was looking forward to a reunion, but I think Billy Piper's career is doing quite well right now. And yeah, yeah. She might not have been available. Yeah. (laughs) Though, I mean, just seeing how the third Doctor audios have developed. When I'm I'm listening to those, I'm I mean obviously I'm obviously aware of the first Doctor ones as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they're gradually kind of incrementally recasting. They recast <laughs> Harry, they've recast Sarah, they've recast mm-hmm. Brigadier, they've recast um, Liz Shaw. Um, thankfully, you know, they've a got some very talented impressionist in the guise of of John Coleshaw, and they've got some daughters um, who mm-hmm. are only too happy to stand in for their mothers or, or recreate a role that their mothers made um, made famous. Um, mm-hmm. So again, you know, these things increase incrementally. So, you know, I, I, once Chris real, I mean, I think Chris has already realized that he enjoys doing this. Um, right. I think one of the other worries that one 
often hears about actors kind of doing these they think it's going to be a lot of work mm-hmm. um and you know it's going to be as potentially stressful as you know a film role or a tv role or a, <laughs> right or a stage role but it's not you know you stand in the studio you read out a script everyone at big finish by all accounts is awesome and they're really great people they're really fun to work with mm-hmm. everyone seems to have a great time so i you know i i'm fingers crossed that you know this is going to run and run and maybe they'll find a way to Bring in Billy, you know, maybe they'll find a way to shoehorn in the Daleks before Dalek. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. They're good at that yeah. kind of big finish. They're good at finding the gaps. They find the time eddies to slip things in. Oh, the old time eddies <laughs> eddying around. Yes, yes, yeah. time eddies. So um, I thought it was it was an unusual start to uh, bring back Christopher Eccleston's Doctor with the narrative format that the story took that Nick Briggs wrote with it kind of being all in a flashback. Yeah, it was kind of epistolatory or whatever. That's not really what it is, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, actually, it reminded me not that I've read that I've heard most of them, but you know the the kind of um, you know, well, it was pretty much a two hander um, where you know there's two people reading out a story. Yeah, it was between him and uh, Audrey, who was played by Jane McKenna. See, I thought I I I thought what I thought was going to happen as a twist is that Audrey was going to turn out to be Nova, only aged through a mm, time eddy. Mm, mm. That was the twist that I was looking for all the way through, and sadly, I was not rewarded well, by I, that being the twist. I thought it was very odd that Audrey was getting so much attention, and it's quite obvious yeah. now why she was getting so much attention because she's the baddie in this uh, story. She's the big bad, yeah. And we end on a cliffhanger. So really in this story, not much happens. It's all set up. Yeah. And if it wasn't in the flashback narrative format, you could imagine, well, it's very easy to see how this would be a very linear story where the doctor lands on the sphere of freedom, which is an unusual name, and then uh, meets this cook, Nova, and he does his thing. And right before they take off then then the time eddie gets uh, nova but you can't introduce audrey that way so this was a very oblique way of introducing the antagonist for the program yeah by having basically the doctor confess yeah. before everything he's done to her setup yeah absolutely i mean i think it was a uh, it was very briggsian yes very very briggsian mm-hmm. and i think we know a little bit about what britain nick briggs likes to write about he likes to write he likes strong women he likes uh, a lot of kind of dashing about, mm-hmm. a lot of tech language. He likes his sound effects. You know, this is no way a dig at Nick Briggs, who deserves a knighthood for what he's done <laughs> to preserve our favorite show for over many years. Um, I, I thought it was too Briggsian for me. Um, I mm-hmm. And I can understand why, you know, he would jump at the chance of writing for Chris Eccleston. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he's kind of yeah, the big no boss, doubt. or, you know, he's the guy. He's the big Finnish guy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's going to write for um, for Chris. But I guess, and again, you know, and I think they were aiming for the kind of action-packed, you know, the kind of... Even, I'm, well, I'm, I'll ask you about the music maybe a bit later, what you thought of the of the kind of Murray Goldish music. But they're going for that yeah. kind of breathless, kind of rose yeah. style where it's just going really really quickly and blah and there's another thing it mm-hmm. is another thing um which i think mm-hmm. probably works well on tv i found it a little bit un- um woo, and then another thing happens um you know i wasn't hugely convinced by the romans in london no that was a little hard to follow actually kind of was hard to follow i was very distracted by the kind of ridiculous accents everyone was putting on 
Well, the, I kept um, hearing Strax. Uh, yeah, also kept hearing uh, Graham Chapman in in Monty Python as well. Um, it's okay. like it's 1950s uh, British officers. This is how they mm-hmm. all spoke. So you know, but yeah, it's it, uh, yeah, and I, I guess also one of the kind of shorthands for there's been a time, Eddie, mm-hmm. is it's the Romans, right? Uh, you know, I think with a little bit more. Uh, well, it's the wrong wrong word to say imagination, but with a little bit more thought, perhaps we could have picked someone else to arrive in the middle of London rather than just some Romans, because you know, I don't know, that's the obvious choice. You didn't have to go for time. You could have done time and geography too. You could have had Genghis Khan, for example, in the middle of London. Well, you, with London, you could have Vikings. You could have Oliver Cromwell. You could have Anglo Saxons. Mm-hmm. You could have gone full invasion of the dinosaurs and have cavemen, you know. Right. Could, could have got the tribe of gum, could have turned up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I think that Romans are popular, a popular choice, and it uh, ties into other big Finnish stories. With... I was going to say, it ties in with the Lone Centurion, which, you know, obviously they, 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 want, to, they want us to listen to as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was hoping there were going to be more jokes about Latin. And yeah. Was, and that was kind of being set up, or oh, this is going to be a jokey we're going to have some Latin jokes, and there weren't any. So There yeah. weren't any. Yeah, it all fell very flat. Fell a little bit flat, <laughs> with that, yeah. The, yeah, the Latin bits. And, of course, they all understand Latin because the TARDIS is there. But I guess we're fans. We already know this. So we didn't yeah. need the, expla- we didn't need the explanation. Uh, the name Faraday, Lieutenant Faraday, is a, a highly charged, well, it's a British officer named Faraday. We already have that in the Android Indeed. invasion. Of Colonel Faraday. So I was going, well, let's see. This Supposedly this happened in 59, and Android invasion was only then, what, 14, 15 years later? So it could be the same Faraday. Could be the same Faraday, yeah. Could be the same Faraday, yeah. Different actor, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. could be, could be. Yeah, I, you know, I... I, I, I I mean, I guess they could have shoehorned in, you know, British Rocket Group, maybe, you know, linked it in with those with those audios as well. Maybe mm. that would be. I mean, I think also I would be tempted to do that. But I think I think, you know, far bit for me to kind of second guess the marketing department at Big Finish, which I'm sure is just one person. Um, I, you know, I'd be totally pitching these at you know, kids uh, mm-hmm. who are now adults who are yep. nostalgic for 2005. Yep. So I would do slight allusions to other, you know, big Finnish properties. Um, mm-hmm. But I, at this point, really not a lot of continuity is needed. You know, unlike, of course, the, you know, the third Doctor audios, which are only pitched to people like me. Right. And therefore, you know, we want all of the people back doing the things yep. um, here. I'd be interested to see whether they do, you know, they do start, to, you know, do they do multi-doctor stories? Do mm-hmm. they involve pre-classic Who doctors? I think they've already done old doctors, new monsters. Have mm-hmm. they done new monsters, old doctors? Can't yes, remember. I believe they have. Yeah. They've done that well, you know, they're going to do... Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things to do. And I think it, I think this is this is an interesting... Again, you know, I would be studying the download figures and studying the reviews and trying to work out what what do people want from this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because potentially it could be a huge, I mean, I've no idea what, you know, obviously what kind of selling figures for, you know, 10th Doctor audios or River Song audios are for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Missy audios for Big Finish. But this could be a potentially huge new audience for them. It could be. I think it definitely would open up to the children of early t- or mid 2000s to Big Finish Audio if they haven't already done so with David Tennant. 
Yeah. So yeah. it's going to capture that uh, 2005 audience. And since Eccleston had nothing to do with the 50th anniversary, and really since he left the role at the end of his time, he's been detached from Doctor Who. So I think there's a great pent-up demand for it, for Big Finish to, to, to see, what, see what kind of juggernaut they have on their hands. I think the next tranche of audios, which comes out in August, is really going to be more telling because there's a, a lot of euphoria, a lot of I can't believe it's happening yeah. right now. But then we'll see how that goes. Were these stories, were these three stories, and I've only heard part one or the first story, I guess, of these three that have been released to see how it goes, how it unfolds. And I believe they're all written by Nick Briggs. And if you're used to RTD type of storytelling, there wasn't much, if any, character development really in this. Uh, And I felt that the Jane McKenna character, Audrey, was channeling Jackie, Camille Coudray's Jackie, with just kind of the slightly suggestive banter between the two yeah between yeah. the two of them yeah um it was really hard to get a good peg on them and yeah. we once again we have a baddie who you know it's uh it's for me to know and you to find out type of uh delivery and line and the thing that surprised me about with this launch is you didn't give Eccleston's doctor a big success or a big new companion right away. And I'm wondering if that was because perhaps uh, Rose is so significant in the reintroduction of the show or that Eccleston didn't want another companion per se. He'd rather have be the solo actor. You know, obviously he's big enough of a name to attract the attention. It wasn't like with Tennant and Catherine Tate coming back together, for yeah. example. Yeah, I think, I mean, my, again, you know, as usual, we don't, we literally don't know anything about this, but, <laughs> you know, they managed to reel in Chris. Yep. And he's a serious man. You know, he's, he's very, um, got very conscientious. He's pretty emotional. Um, he's really committed to his job once he takes a job. Right. Um, he's really committed to this character. And I think he now fully understands even if he didn't before, you know, how important he is to this show. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, reading between the lines with some of the interviews uh, and, you know, stuff that's been written, certainly in Doctor Who magazine, you know, he sat down with, you know, Jason Hay Ellery and and Nick Briggs and, you know, the gang at at Big Finish, and they went through what he wanted to do and what he didn't want to do. Um, And I think, uh, I think, Probably, you know, maybe we're maybe being a bit hard on Nick here. I would suspect a lot of this is stuff that that Chris wanted. And, you know, they wanted to make sure that Chris was happy and Mm -hmm. was, you know, getting what he needed from the role to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't want a lot of introspection. Um, You know, they didn't want a lot of, you know, he didn't want to have a new permanent companion, etc. I don't know. But so, I mean, this is why I'm thinking, you know, as this progresses... And Chris gets more comfortable and realizes this is a fun thing to do mm-hmm. that actually doesn't take a huge amount, you know, earns you money. And God knows what they pay anyone. I've literally, I've got even less idea about that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, this is a job that you can do, not literally in your spare time, but it's a job <laughs> that you can do. It's a weekend job. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and it's a fun job. It's not, it's not a, you know, and I've said Chris is deeply serious about his craft, 
But, you know, once he realizes that actually, you know, he can have some fun with this, maybe, then maybe we'll start to get different stories. But I can certainly see Chris saying, I want something, you know, that's, that's about the Doctor. And I want something that's moving forward, not people standing around talking. I want it mm-hmm. to be like my debut. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I, there's I, a lot of standing around and talking. In this yeah, one. yeah. And I think, I, think, <laughs> I think what's missing really here is... And this is, again, this is not a dig at Nick Briggs because I think RTD is an extraordinary writer mm-hmm. because I, mean, I also I say, you know, uh, if, if, if Nick Briggs is failing to, to pull in some actual characters apart from the Doctor in this starting episode, I would say that Moffat failed to bring in any characters other than the Doctor and maybe a couple of companions during his, you know, four or five years doing Doctor Who. So, you know, it's a difficult thing to be as good at writing character as RTD. So I'm not really expecting that. Um, I think I am expecting a little bit more action Mm -hmm. over the first 40 minutes. And I think maybe the Romans in London was designed to be the action I was craving. But Mm -hmm. you're right, it was kind of confusing and the jokes didn't really work. Uh, I kind of just wanted to get to the fireworks factory, which is, you know, the little prequel that we had of like, okay, what's going on with um, with Nova? Yeah, this was kind of an extended prequel, almost. The pre-credit sequence, you know, they structured it like a, a, a 2005 era story where we had the pre-credit sequence and we hear the theme and then they go into it. But really with this retrospective uh, in reflection setup. The doctor isn't directly involved in the action right now. It's it's with the cliffhanger. When the time Eddie was coming, that's when we switch in after he's done and recounting meeting Audrey, recounting his escapades and meeting Audrey. Then we switch into here and now, and then the next two episodes I think are going to be moving forward and have that action. Yeah, and you know, time eddies are fun things. You know, we like time eddies. Time eddies give us the opportunity to kind of mix things up a bit and. It's the Romans in London, which I've already said were a little bit disappointing. Well, it's, you know. it's a time monster. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's a baby all of a sudden, you know, uh, um, which is why <laughs> I was expecting Audrey to, to, be, to be Nova uh, age through a time eddy or something. Because yeah. I, think, I think I was expecting, foolishly, I was expecting to this, this to be more of a self-contained story, which of course it wasn't and isn't. And mm-hmm. I don't suppose it's really supposed to be. It's it's it's. What's, what have we got, three episodes, four episodes? I think it's designed to be binge listened to rather than one a week. But we are going to go with one a week here. So. We're going to one a week just the way that we'd go one a week if this was a 40 minutes on the TV, basically. Yep. But you are right. You know, this is people sitting in their cars. It's people going on doing their workout. You know, this is how mm-hmm. people consume these kind of dramas. And mm-hmm. you do binge listen. And what right. takes you 40 minutes of having to watch the telly uh, which you know, actually, you have to sit down and watch it. You can't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe people aren't like me, and they do do other things when the television is on. Who knows? Um, but you know, this is something that you can that you're listening to while you're doing other things. Mm-hmm. So I certainly would think that pe- most people would be like, okay, that was fun. I'm going to listen to the next episode now. Right. Right. And you were going to ask about the music. Yeah. So you're the you're our resident musical expert. Um, <laughs> What what did you think about who's who's writing the music for this? Oh well, fresh off the tunes of Tutankhamun, it's Howard Carter who is writing the music for this uh, episode. Extraordinary, extraordinary. So they they resurrected Howard Carter. <laughs> they have, and he's decided I'm not going to be a famous Egyptologist anymore. Indeed, I'm not. I'm going to write incidental music for Indeed. Big Finish. Indeed. Amazing. Yes. 
Amazing. It's, who says there's no second acts? <laughs> who says? Who says? Who says that? Nobody. Because Howard Carter, he's back, baby. Yeah. So he's doing anyway. the music, all uh, uh, in the style of Murray Gold, and. I haven't lined up Murray Gold's credit sequence of uh, Doctor Who theme, but it sounded to me like Murray Gold's rendition. I don't know if they reused it or if Howard Carter reimagined it, but it was very, very close. And the music was uh, the same kind of up-tempo series one type music without uh, kind of the memorable melodies that Murray Gold would insert through. Right. So uh, there wasn't anything that was very hummable or recognizable, but I think the music worked pretty well, and it was very reminiscent, which I suspecting was the edict from Big Finish to match what you would have heard if you were to listen to this in 2005. Yeah, it's the Ruttles, basically. <laughs> In a way, yes. In a way, yes. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not as musically attuned. Huh, do you see what I did there? Um, as you are. <laughs> so if this, if this felt, oh yeah, this is Ninth Doctor music. I'm being propelled mm-hmm. along by a bouncy, a bouncy thingy. So yeah, I, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is definitely telling us how yeah, to feel, which is, I think, was the brief to Murray Gold, and Murray Gold did an excellent job in telling us how to feel for decades, basically. So yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I, I thought the, the music worked well for me. Um, I would have liked more characters. Yeah, but this is big finish, and this is big finish during a pandemic. So that's true. That's true. That no, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. This is a pandemic, so they weren't all in the same room, mm-hmm. you know. And, and actually, when I listened to it, I, I did. I, I was actually remembering that. Um, and it was, you know, I think the pandemic ones are a little bit more kind of, you know, what's the word? Um, disjointed maybe I it's, don't know, it's, it's like more that. tom baker and lala ward rather than yeah. david tennant yeah. and uh catherine Tate. yeah 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 <laughs> but i said you know i mean hopefully eccleston will get more comfortable with the kind of you know the big finish players mm-hmm. and you know well they definitely well dan starkey's in here i mean he's one of the modern big finish exactly players and he played the <laughs> marcus aurelius so yeah, they've obviously, you know, they've, they've phoned Dan up and said, look, can you quickly record this for us? Right. And Dan went, yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, that'll be 50 quid or something, how much yeah. they pay him. And so great, you know, good stuff. And I think we'll be listening carefully to hear more big finishy people turn up as we go along. I mean, I hope they keep Dan Starkey in it because he's always good at stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe there'll be some tyrants uh, coming That up. would certainly work with the... Ninth Doctor. I mean, anything could work. You can, like you said, you can make the Daleks return. I think the Daleks are a bit of a long stretch. Yeah. I did see the trailer. They are going to bring back the Cybermen for... Oh, Cybermen. Uh, Excellent. Eccleston. Oh, that's, that makes sense because obviously, you know, we will know that Cybermen are kind of pretty malleable at this point. Yeah, they're the monster of the week type monster at this yeah, point. They can, yeah, they can they can appear at, at any point in any mm-hmm. Doctor's history and, and, we're, and we're fine with it. But, you know, if Nick Briggs is, is good at anything and he's good at lots of things, um, you know, they, he's very good at finding the gaps. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, they are going through... I'm sure he's already been through this, actually, even before Chris Eccleston came on board through the Ninth Doctor's tenure, thinking about, OK, where are the gaps that we can stick stuff in? Oh, oh yeah. You know, how do we make sure that any kind of prequel work doesn't contradict mm-hmm. with the TV stories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I think that I mean, there's a huge gap between the Hurt Doctor and the Eccleston Doctor that we see on television. So there's definitely stories to be told. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whether... I mean, I think what's interesting is whether we will find this prequel Ninth Doctor, whether he will be on Earth at all, on a, you know, on the 20th century, mm-hmm. Jackie Tyler, Rose Tyler, you know, Mickey Smith, Earth, mm-hmm. that we all know and love, South London. Um, and I guess we already know he was on the Titanic and he was at Krakatoa and he was at the mm-hmm. Kennedy assassination. Those are all stories that can be told. Right. Whether, whether they're going to do any contemporary ones, I think that would be interesting to see whether they feel like yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we we're in the 20th century now with, uh, the, like what 59 with, uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Lieutenant Faraday and Captain Halloran. But we didn't get in the 21st century. We're in some kind of distant future, space future year of whatever. The space year this. five zillion. Yep, yeah, exactly. Of, with the sphere of freedom and in, <laughs> and in the square of freedom, which I thought was a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheekness from Nick Briggs. There you go. Yes. Yeah, so I, 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 th- I thought it was a good start. Good start. I, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of it, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. Well, next episode is Cataclysm. Ooh. And the trailer... Ominous. The one line in the Radio Times, if Radio Times is doing listings for this, is Nova is dislocated in time while the time eddies are out of control. Meanwhile, the Doctor is about to face the end of the universe. Or is that just the Battle of Waterloo? Oh. Bum, bum, bum. Interesting. Dan Starkey comes back as the Duke of Wellington. Or, given <laughs> his short stature, Napoleon. Napoleon. There you go. Bony. Yeah. The Sontarans are the people who are behind Napoleon. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Napoleon is actually a Sontaran. That was. Oh, fit. yeah. Napoleon pulls off his hat and there's a Sontaran <laughs> head like stuck on the top of his, his human head. A probic vent. A probic vent, yeah. Okay, I'm going with that. That that, that would be awesome. <laughs> Before we go, what did you make of these compressed aliens inside a neutron star? Um, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of a, hmm, okay, Nick. <laughs> that was my take on it. Yeah. Please, Nick. I, I'm not criticizing you in any way if you ever listen to these, which you don't. <laughs> um, uh, I actually sort of feel that Nick Briggs is running out of sci-fi stuff. Uh, um, he's running out of sci-fi explanations for things um which is fine because there's only a certain number of sci-fi explanations you can give Mm -hmm. that was my take basically it's like oh okay the the kind of techno babble is finally getting to him it reminded me of the alien menace in spyfall where we had these interdimensional beings coming through that we never really meet and never really see who the master's working with or allowing to come through and they're set up to be a big baddie in part one. And then really they didn't have much of a impact beyond much of an anything really. Yeah. Shutting the door in part two. So maybe that's what part two here in cataclysm. Yeah. I mean, as as we all know, my disappointment with Skyfall is they weren't Vardens. (laughs) They were shimmery enough. It could easily have made this advance. A classic missed opportunity. Whenever I hear compressed alien, and Ninth Doctor in the same breath, I think of I think of Slitheen. So hmm. that hmm. was another thought that popped into my head. Yeah, Slitheen might be. In that Slitheen are compressed into their skin suits. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, Big Finish has done anything with Slitheen. Maybe that maybe they have. I would, oh, I'm sure I, they could get a lot of farting sound effects available. Yeah, I, good I Foley think work. Done. I think they've done Slitheen. Hang on, I'm just googling them now. All right, Big Finish Slith. Bean. Yeah, Classic Companions versus the Slitheen. Here we go. Oh, so they have. Yeah, uh, Torchwood versus the Slitheen. Blimey. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> so they've gotten their mileage out of Slovene. They have a good back catalog of farting Foley Yeah, Foley exactly. Artists. Humorous, humorous, humorous encounters with the Slovene. Perfect. You know what? You know what the Slovene need? They need a gritty reboot. <laughs> a Sayward-esque reboot of the Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, great. Good. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 186 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been celebrating the return of Christopher Eccleston as the doctor with Ben. And I have been doing the same thing with David. Let's face it. It's good to have him back. It's good. I think it is our patriotic duty to download, buy these, download these, listen to them, so that they make a lot more. Just like back in 1999, early 2000s, exactly. we need to support Big Finish getting Christopher Eccleston back into the Who family. Yeah, we need to make sure Chris has a great time and feels loved, which I think is sort of important to him. Fair, because it's important to everybody. And um, we do love him and we want him back and we want him more doing like lots and lots of Who with us. So next week, uh, episode two, Cataclysm. Cataclysm. Very good. Good night. Humanity locked on a single planet, one time, one place. I don't know how you stand it. It's a big universe out there, and you haven't even scratched the surface. Well, it's time to change that. You're going to hear amazing things. You'll go from the Firth of Forth to Alien Worlds, to the Sphere of Freedom and a giant necropolis. You'll hear musicians in Paris play deadly games, meet monsters on movie sets and the real Macbeth. There'll be new enemies and old friends, people to lose and people to save, and every day the universe at stake. I can't promise it'll be safe. In fact, it'll be very dangerous indeed. But it'll be the greatest journey you'll ever take, I promise you. It'll be fantastic. So tell me, do you want to come on board?